Um, now we're actually starting in five, four, three. Hello and welcome to Birder. I barely know her. The only birding podcast where both coasts. God damn it! I keep doing coasts. Just say hosts. I know. I, I'm. I'm trying. I'm not trying to say coasts. It just keeps coming out. You keep saying co-host. You're trying to say co-hosts. Just say hosts. I think I'm trying to say coasts. I mean, trying to say hosts. I mean. Then what is, I'm not actively trying to say. Co- I'm trying to say both hosts. It just keeps coming out as coasts. Well, I, I'm trying. Okay. okay. All right. I don't believe you for a second. You don't believe me? No. Why would I lie about that? What would I gain? I think you you got trapped in that. You're feeling like you have to defend yourself. <laughs> uh, like a wild animal? Yeah. We'll get into some of that today. Uh, all right, here we go. Hello and welcome to... Oh, my Burger. God. I be- what? <laughs> okay, go ahead. It's easier for me to edit if I start it. I barely know her. The only birding podcast where both hosts are currently in very much danger of melting on the pod. I'm your host, Stevie Cassidy, along with my co-host. Jessica Cristiano. See, I told you, I, I think I kept saying coast because hosts currently kept fucking me up, and that's why. Okay. <laughs> you um, don't believe me at all? I don't want to, like, always refute whatever you say in the intro, but I'm fine. I feel fine. Okay. I don't think I'm melting at all. Well, okay, then I'll record it again and just say one host is melting. Yeah. It's just like, okay, you know, maybe maybe you should consult me, see how I'm feeling, oh, uh-huh. maybe do a vibe check before we start, maybe that would help. Okay, let's do a vibe check. Jess, how are your vibes right now? They're good. They're good? No. Hell yeah. They're anxious. No! <laughs> That's rare for you. This is the first time I've heard that. I know. I feel just like Barbie. Is she anxious in the movie? I assume when she leaves the Barbie world, she gets anxious. Because from what I knew about her, wrapped in plastic, it's fantastic. I didn't think there was much for her to be anxious or mad about. Well, you wouldn't think that, would you, as a man? No. Okay. (laughs) I think we can talk about when I was looking at Barbie reviews, there was that one where there was a review that literally said, now, I never played Barbies growing up, dot, dot, dot. And it was a one-star review from a man, which was really fun. (laughs) And it's not for him. And he yeah. should know that. Do you think it was Ben Shapiro? No. I think it was Ben Shapiro. He left a yeah, review. You can tell that he typed it by jumping from key to key with his little feet. Sometimes when I listen to our podcast at one and a half times, you sound like Ben Shapiro. How often do you listen to our podcast at one and a half speed? Most of the time. Really? Yeah, just because I'm, I'm you know, like vetting it. Oh, I thought you were like, I want to hear us sound super silly, like little elves or something. No, it's only when I'm trying to make sure that like stuff stuff is is good. So you had a fun little day today. You went shopping. How was that? It was fine. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to I don't want you to do anything. I'm just trying to drum up conversation. Uh, let's get into why we're gathered here today. Um, today we're going to be doing a deep dive, no pun intended, on owls. What would the pun be? Because they dive for their prey sometimes. Oh, okay. I guess we'll learn about that later. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, so Jess... Normally, we ask our guests yeah, what our history okay. is. What? You weren't paying attention to me. <laughs> All right. For once, I will admit, no, I was not. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I was moving on to the next topic. I was doing okay, my job as a host. Okay, then say that. Don't say, yeah. Like, you know what's going on when you don't. We're going to fight after this episode, guys. Just letting you know. Yeah. It's going to be bad. Okay. 
Um, so, what was that, a shredder? It was a Instagram thing. We're recording a podcast. You're just on Instagram? No. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so, normally we ask our guests what their history with birds and or birding is, but today I think we're going to ask you, Jess, what is your history with owls and or owling? Um, owls. I had a phase, as we all do, when I was a young child, going through my scene phase, I thought owls were cool and creepy and Sorry, for the listeners, what scene? Emo, but not doing a full commitment. It was like pop emo, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like emo aesthetic, but like kind of normal. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> um, It was like the swooped, the bangs and like... My Chemical Romance. Well, my, yeah, and like We the Kings and that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Very pop emo, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, And the, the claw and... The claw? Yeah. What is the claw? The scene, the scene claw. I have no idea what you're talking so about. So for a while in, in I guess, mostly MySpace profile pictures, there was a, for some reason, they were all doing this. They were all, okay, so they all had their bangs. Uh, for the sluts, Jess is doing her scene bangs to the I'm best of the her bangs. ability right now. And it's working. Oh, wow. It's hard because she has curtain bangs, so it's hard to do what she's doing right now. Yeah. So it actually needs more, I oh think. Oh, my God. Is this your type in Illinois in in middle school? Yeah, I was going to say, you have regularly admitted that if we met in high school, we never would have gotten together, but I would have had a huge crush on scene, Jess. So they would, this was kind of what all their pictures looked like for a while. And so, in addition to the claw, you're making some sort of face that's like a smile, but also like a... No, it's like a grr. A grr? Okay. Yeah. And so, what is the claw? That's it! No, I, you, you don't need to show me the claw. I, me, I mean, like, what is the significance of the claw? Does I don't know. I something? think it was just part of the grr of it all. Okay. Would you say that Paramore was, like, seen for a while? Yeah. Okay. And, like, um, like bows were somehow incorporated and, like, neon colors. A lot of neon, which I think could have overlapped with emo, maybe. We were mostly just um, appropriating emo culture. <laughs> Their culture is not your costume. Yeah. And like the the three face and what else was there? It was a lot of it was a lot of MySpace aesthetic stuff. So did you have a MySpace? I didn't, but I used my friends. <laughs> Wait to like message people or you just like went on their friends? I just went on it to be on it because I couldn't have one. So obviously I just wanted to have one. And then sometimes when we were at my friend's house we would do remember bulletins were you on myspace no i've never allowed <gasps> okay twins so they had they had this thing called bulletins which was like the facebook status kind of but you could do like a full thing yeah you could do the title and then the the body and the body you could put like thousands of words in if you wanted to people would do like surveys yeah you don't care i'm interested your I'm eyes are glazing over i can see them i'm just sleepy okay we don't have to do this um, I want to continue. This is interesting. Keep keep talking. You could do bulletins, and then a lot of them were surveys, because what do kids love to do more than anything? Talk about themselves <laughs> in a way that they think is interesting and cool. So we would, like, fill it out together. So it would be, like, Jesse's answer, Jesse's answer, McKenna's answer. I didn't have MySpace. I did have Facebook. Did you ever do those things where it's, like, like this, and I'll tell an honest truth about you? I love those. I lived for those. <laughs> Did you ever get anything juicy? No. The worst is when it was like, truth is, you seem cool. And I'm like, ugh. Yeah, right? Dig that's deep, not, man. Say something that's awful. That's not a truth. Yeah. 
<laughs> Wait, you wanted them to say something rude to you? I don't, just something, I guess, but, um. I always hoped that it would reveal a secret crush and I would start dating somebody. That was my hope with those. Yeah, that, that never works. Um, that never does. Ne- the people you want are never the ones liking and commenting. Yeah, actually, I probably was that to most people. Because I wanted something juicy, but no one knew me. So it was kind of like, <laughs> I don't really know. Truth is, I don't really know you, but you seem cool, maybe. Okay. That kind of stuff. Um, so it's your fault you kept getting vague answers because you were just responding to near strangers. I guess. Yeah, but it's also kind of fun to just see what they could come up with because you kind of knew. They'd just be like, you seem cool. I did not have a MySpace, but I had a... No, it was Stardoll. What is Stardoll? That sounds like it's something you would guess for Pokemon. You get a little avatar, and you can, like, dress her up however you want and, like, give her makeup and all this kind of stuff. And then you had, like, a MySpace – you had a homepage kind of thing that you could do a MySpace layout on, basically, where it's, like – okay. And you could write for hours. It was so fun. So in terms of not being loud on MySpace, was it, like, blocked on your home computer? Or, like, was your computer somewhere your parents could see? Or, like, what was the what was keeping you from being on there? I guess they just said, don't go on it. We know everything. We have eyes in the walls. And we said, okay, <laughs> well, we won't go on it. My family computer was in the, uh, the office that faced the living room. So as long as they were looking directly at the TV, I could look at whatever I wanted. So there's a lot of me, like, looking at, like, potentially risky things and, like, Sitting up really fast like a meerkat and turning to make sure nobody's looking, then like looking again, then like closing the tabs. What were you looking at? Nothing gross. Liar. Nothing too gross. You're a liar. Nothing nothing that would give my computer a virus. Um Alright, so I wasn't allowed on Tumblr either, but I had a secret Tumblr. <laughs> that is the most Tumblr thing ever. Uh, well we should get back to what sparked this debate, which is not scene culture, but your history with owls and uh, right. owl okay. eggs. Why don't you get back to that? Um, so I think my scene culture and my Harry Potter love were really overlapping at once. So I was really into owls for a little bit. Um, I had some owl shirts. Wait, so were owls big in scene culture? I think so. Okay. But I could be making that up. I was also like, I wanted to be seen and I tried but I didn't really nail it the way other people were doing it. And my, and my parents didn't like it. So they were like, yeah. you're not, we're not buying you that. You can't cut your hair like that. <laughs> we're not letting you own anything with Jack Skellington on it. I will say they did let us cut our hair and give, and get our, do the bangs, mm-hmm. even though they hate it. My mom hated it. My whole family hated it. They were like, why? They let us do it. We got to have that self-expression. We look back on it now. We hate ourselves, <laughs> but they let us do it. And I think and that's, that's important. that's the beauty of childhood. Yeah, but I think it's it's nice that they they couldn't look at us for four years, but they let us live our lives. Anyway, back to the owls. Back to the owls. Uh, yeah, I was into them, and then I got salt and pepper shakers that look like owls for Hanukkah. Okay, sorry, you paused after salt as if that was the final thought, and I had no idea where you were going with that. Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, because now you have those cute owl salt and pepper shakers. Hell yeah. What's your experience with owls? Uh, not a ton, actually. Great horned owls were a big part of my life growing up because they were a real fixture in, like, Boy Scout stuff. Why? I don't I think because they had a really mimicable hoot. So it'd be, like, a fun little hoo, hoo, hoo. It'd be, like, a fun thing to do. So I would practice that all the time at home because I thought it was fun. So they were always super cool to me, but I never knew a ton about them. But I do have a connection to great horned owls as an adult in that when I went birding, the third time I went out, I saw great horned owls. So I went and, uh... Took some photos of that, which was really fun. Gorgeous. So we're going to get into owls today. Jess, do you have a favorite owl? I guess I don't know enough yet. Ask me at the end. Wow. I was going to say, we're going to go over favorite owls before and after you learned this. So looks like you're already ahead. So our first owl is called the elf owl. 
cute. Yeah. So you're looking at this guy. You spot him in the wild. How large would you guess this owl is? Probably like two feet tall. Two feet tall. It's a good guess. So these are the world's smallest owl. We're lucky that we get them in northern Cal or northern North America, specifically in parts of California, Arizona, over the fuck by Mexico and shit. Anyway, so. These are the smallest owls in the world. They're not two feet tall. They're shorter than that. They are 4.7 to 5.5 inches on average. Well, <laughs> you can't believe it. I can't. That one you, is? For the, for, yeah, for the listeners, Jess was vigorously shaking her head in disbelief. But you can kind of see from, like, the branches, he looks to scale with a tree. Well, yeah, but I think... We don't see the whole tree, so it's hard to tell with that perspective. But yeah, on average, they're 4.7 to 5.5 inches. Um, if you had to guess... So those have to be like twigs. They're super tiny. Yeah, the, probably, right? Because yeah, that's probably not a super mature branch, Looking, just looking at it. Uh, that looks I got a lot of my back. <laughs> I, <laughs> I'm sorry you're in disbelief. I'm just telling you what the data says. I'm sorry you don't believe it. You're not validating me. I don't, I don't know how at this point. Do you want me to lie to you and say you're right? Say, These are the world's largest owl? No, you could say, like, you're right. They do, it doesn't, this maybe is not a great picture for, to, dis, to show the scale. Okay, so your problem is not that you don't believe how small they are. You're just mad that this photo doesn't I, My problem is you misled me. Oh, my God. You picked this knowing that I would guess wrong. You set me up. Yeah, I wanted to, I wanted to trick you. That was my goal here. Yeah. I love tricking and confusing you. So I use a lot of different sources for today's episode, primarily all about birds and Wikipedia. Um, and what's cool about all about birds when they describe the size of this guy, they're like, he's no larger than an average juice box, which I think is really fun. What? This guy. This I guy. just, I, I need to see the rest of this picture. I, I know. You, look, I, I'm a trying my box. best here. I'm, like a Capri Sun? Yeah. Yeah, they're less than six. In here, I'm, I'm gonna. All right, I found a better photo. I found a better photo. It's gonna freak you what out. What purpose does a six-inch bird serve? We're gonna learn all about what purpose it serves. Okay. What purpose do you think it serves? <laughs> do small things not yeah. have purpose. Most of the birds that we look at are less than six inches. Okay. Uh, okay. A six-inch owl. Okay. So I'm gonna share a different image now. Hopefully, this oh, freaks you out less. Is it the one on the cactus? No, did you look up one on a cactus? I'm looking it up right now. Cute. Oh my god, in the hand. Yeah, that's that was the one I was going to show you. Holy crap. So you can see him in that hand. You can see how he's less than six inches. Um, so are you not? Are you still freaked out about the size, or are you fine I'm now? I'm a little mad at that picture. I'm sorry. I think it's just a small tree. Or like maybe it's a bush. I think. I think the photographer. I don't think he took that picture with the intent of confusing and upsetting people. I think he took the picture with intent to confuse one beautiful woman. <laughs> so we've seen how big they are. How much would you guess they weigh? Half a pound. Less than two ounces. I don't know what that means. Not a lot. How many ounces is a pound? I think. Let's find out. I should know this because I bake a lot. Although not in pounds, so I actually stand by what I said. Yeah, sorry. So one pound is 16 ounces. Oh, yeah. Okay. He's a tiny guy. Wow. Getting knocked around in the wind. Um, so 
what's cool about these guys, among other things, they are secondary cavity nesters. Do you remember what that means? They move in their gentrifiers? Yeah, essentially, yeah. So they take over previous or previously existing burrows. They don't build their own, or not burrows, sorry. They don't build their own nests. So primarily they take over nests that are built by the various species of woodpeckers that inhabit Mexico and the American Southwest. Um, so a lot of woodpeckers will make their homes. Um, and what's cool is they're not the only ones that do that in their habitat. So a lot of times these trees or cactuses will like sort of be like little apartment complexes where multiple different species live together in like houses near each other. Um, so they'll share like with like different fly catchers and flickers and stuff. It's just very fun. Even Western screech owls and other variety of owls. So it's sort of fun to see how they do that. So they're kind of like renters and in that way they are allies to us in class warfare. Okay, uh, they can they can stay. Yeah. What what do they what do they do being as tiny as they are? So these guys mostly hunt bugs. Most most owls like have pretty diverse you know diets, eat a lot of mammals, but these guys are so small that kind of really insects are sort of their main thing they can eat. And what's cool about them is they also eat different arthropods, so you know arachnids stuff like that. And what's cool is these guys are seemingly immune to scorpion stings. When they're attacking scorpions, they'll get stung, they won't pop up, they, they won't die, they won't get sick, so they seem to have some sort of resistance, if not a full tol or a full um, immunity to scorpion venom, which is really cool and really advantageous so they can get that really rich protein inside the scorpion. Are they in the desert? Sorry, did you say that? Yeah, they're in the desert. So I didn't explain this on the podcast, but uh, their range... If you're in the United States, there's really only four states you're going to see them. Can I guess? Yeah, go ahead. New Mexico, Arizona, Nevada, California. Close. New Mexico, Arizona, Texas, Texas. California. And California, you're only really going to catch them on that Arizona border. Their range in California is almost completely gone. Um, so they're mostly in Arizona, the border area to the Rio Grande I think that's not the Rio Grande. Whatever the big river is in New Mexico, from the east side of that river through Arizona, and then the little tip of the pterodactyl head in Texas. So in addition to hunting, they also keep pets. What kind? Bugs? I'm glad you asked. So they do keep little bugs. So tree ants will live in their nests, and the owls don't harm them or eat them because these ants will eat the remnants of their meals, present, preventing any sort of disease or rot in the tree, and they'll also consume different parasites in the nest. The other way they get rid of those parasites is they will catch thread snakes, which basically look like little earthworms, and they will take them back to their nests, not to eat them, but to let them live in the nest and eat the parasites that otherwise might like harm the babies. So it's sort cool they get to have what are essentially little dogs that run around eating the table scraps eating the parasites keeping the babies safe so it's cool that not only humans keep pets that rocks so you, you said what do they do as tiny guys right mm -hmm. if you were a tiny guy how would you defend yourself in the wild would you think i guess hiding okay hiding is a good guess or do so you mean do like hide. do you mean like somebody's coming at me yeah somebody's coming at you um i would run under their legs ah that's really smart. That's fun. So here's what they do. They do two things. Uh, the first is called mobbing. Any guesses what mobbing means? They, like, go at him. Yeah, so a bunch of them get together and, like, they go at the predator making a bunch of noises, and that usually drives them off. Um, so they will mob at, speech, or at, you know, the predators that come at them. And they also sort of use this to instruct the younger birds on how to recognize predators. So they know, okay, when we all do this, that means this is a dangerous species that we need to avoid. And what's cool about mobbing is that they aren't the only species that do this. It's common in birds, common in some mammals, um, other animals. It's a learned behavior. 
that seem to have evolved independently in all those species. So they didn't like get it from one common ancestor, which I think is really cool. And it mostly evolves in animals that are typically pre um, predated on a lot, predated, I don't know how to pronounce that. But the issue with that is it is a taught behavior, it's a learned behavior, um, sort of like any sort of social behavior. So the issue is it's hard for scientists and um, veterinarians, whatever you call the people that work at like zoos and like animal preserves, it's hard for them to teach that to the babies they have in captivity. So when they release animals that like know mobbing behavior as part of their survival skills, they don't know how to do that in the wild and it's detrimental to their survival. So scientists are working on ways they can figure out teaching that social behavior to animals that have to be raised in captivity because maybe they were abandoned or injured or something. So it's sort of interesting to see how that's sort of a detriment to animals being reintroduced into the wild. So they have another defense mechanism where they play dead. So you're familiar with playing possum, right? Yeah. Yeah, so possums play dead so the animal thinks, ugh, gross, I'm not going to eat a dead body and leaves. That's not why these owls play dead. They play dead after they've been grabbed by a predator, usually in their talons because a lot of their predators you know, have claws or whatever. And then once they play dead, the predator thinks, oh great, it's dead, I don't have to fight anymore, and will loosen its grip just enough that the owl can escape and fly off. That's what I would do if I was kidnapped. Yeah, I would lick the hand. That way they're like, gross, and they let me go. Yeah, little serial killer freaks are really turned off by hand licking. Do you remember that one scary story, though, they told around the campfire about the... Oh, actually, this one might upset you and involves a dead dog. Never mind. Go ahead. It's the one where there's the lady who, like, has her big dog with her because she lives alone, and every night she'd put her hand under the bed to make sure the dog would lick her hand, and she goes in the bathroom, dog's head gets cut off, and realizes there's a serial killer in the house who's been licking her hand. Ew. Yeah. And then she dies? I imagine so. You know what used to scare me? And I don't think they were supposed to be scary. What? Scary stories to tell in the dark. They're supposed to be scary. Some of them were just kind of silly, though. Yeah, but I think the majority were meant to scare you, especially with that art. Okay, then they were really scary. Those books I used to beg my sister to read to me, and she kept saying no because if you get scared, mom's going to be mad at me. And I said, I'm not going to be scared. And then she'd read them to me, and I'd be so scared that she'd get grounded (laughs) because I wouldn't be able to sleep. So now I see that she's learned from that because her son does the same thing where he's like, please let me watch Coraline. I won't go. I won't be scared. She's like, absolutely fucking not. You are not watching Coraline. We're going to put on a different show and you're going to bed. (laughs) That's like, I'm glad that I was able to help her with that. They're, uh, they used to have them at my elementary school daycare for some reason. What? So I guess they were age appropriate. I don't know. How old were you? Elementary school age. So like 10. Okay. As early as five, probably. But yeah, they were really spooky. But I couldn't get enough of them. Well, kids like that spooky shit sometimes. I know. It was really spooky. But there was one that was like, I didn't get it because I was a kid and I didn't know what a viper was. Um, <laughs> not the snake. Yeah. Wait, what was it then? So the, it's... It's not the Vindavasha, right? It is that. It's that one. But okay. it's the... But they... The, it the, was like scary to the woman because it was like, I'm the viper. And I think that's either like... Oh, viper. Yeah. No, but it was scary because a viper is something. It's like a dead dead oh. man or like the the male version of a widow or something weird like that. And then when he got there, it turns out he has an accent. So it was like all misunderstanding, yeah. but for, I, I couldn't understand why they were scared about a viper. That's fair. I got to Google it. I got to look it up. Okay, it's actually nothing. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why. I think she was just scared because like maybe like he, she thought it was like an evil nickname, like like a kill. It was like, I'm the viper. I'm going to kill you. Any other thoughts on the elf owl? No, but a lot of thoughts on scary stories to tell in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> I'll 
awesome. Well, then we'll move on to our next owl species. Oh, so one more thing about them. So these guys are on their way out, unfortunately, due to habitat destruction, stuff like that. So there's only 150,000 left, and they're mostly extinct in California. So if you guys want to see them, I say make the trip. Go down to Mexico, go down to southern Arizona, southwest New Mexico, check them out. Because um, they're really cool little guys. I love – if I saw this thing in the wild – a little four-inch owl that I could put in my pocket potentially, I would freak the fuck out. These things look awesome. I'd literally freak out. Talk about something you put in your mouth. This is a good pop right in. All right, moving on to our next owl. So you've seen this guy, at least pictures of him before, I think. And we technically get them in L.A., but they're very hard to come across. This is the burrowing owl. Cute. So burrowing owls are super cool. So most owls that we know, they live in the trees. These guys, though, they live in mostly treeless environments running along the ground like little monsters, little scurriers, you know, scurs. It's crazy because both of these owls live in dry climates. They look like full-on snow bunnies. <laughs> what do you mean? Because they look like round and fluffy? Yeah, I guess that is that is it. Yeah. They look like they're bundled up for the winter. Yeah. Well, Starving. I don't know if it's these. Sorry, I just I got so hungry. Because <laughs> you want to eat this owl? Yeah. You looked at the owl and you saw like a cooked chicken from a cartoon. I saw his M&M eyes and I said, I'm hungry. <laughs> these guys are a lot of fun. They live mostly in burrows. So what's cool about, so these guys are also secondary cavity nesters, meaning they take over existing homes from um, animals that are already made of. So typically this happens with ground squirrels, prairie dogs, even desert tortoises, which I think is pretty cool. And so they're super adaptable. Like they're super good at like, you know, making use of these burrows that have been created and um, a lot of times if there's not a lot of those other species due to human activity, they will find other ways to make burrows. So they'll make burrows out of like buckets and pipes and tubing and like a bunch of other stuff that comes from like human like construction projects. So what's cool is this is actually helpful to scientists and conservationists because they can use this to construct artificial burrows for these owls to take over. So they don't have to like dig a bunch of holes. They can just put down PVC pipe, put down like, you know, stuff like that, which is really helpful for when you're trying to reintroduce the species or like sort of increase the, the numbers of a declining species. So it's sort of cool to see how that adaptivity or adaptability is helpful in their interactions with humans. So what's cool about these guys is they don't like to live alone. They love to live in big communities. So they typically seek out burrows that are adjacent to other burrows. So they can sort of live in a little community, which I think is cute and fun. That's really sweet. What do you think they use to decorate their homes? Guns. Guns? You think you got a bunch of Republican yeah. burrowing uh, owls? Um, probably like dead animals. Interesting. Close. So they use other stuff from animals. So the first thing they do before the babies are born is they will gather up a bunch of dung, typically cattle dung, and they'll place it at the entrance of their nest. Any guesses to why that might be beneficial? To put dung on their nest yeah so like at the very entrance they'll like cover like the front with dung like not like a cap so they can't get out but like there'll be like a thing of dung at the floor at the ground so that the predators don't want to trespass that was what people initially thought yeah because it's like gross it smells like poop in there it's going to disguise the scent of those chicks and they're not going to want to go in but now the idea is that that dung will attract bugs that they can eat number one so it's this like less effort hunting wise it'll bring protein right to us number two that dung will sort of help regulate the microclimate inside the burrow and sort of help regulate the temperatures, which is really helpful. So another thing they do before the babies are born, they'll also collect like 
they want to make sure nobody tries to take over that burrow, so they'll put like stuff outside that indicates that it's occupied. So like bottle caps, metal foil, cigarette butts, paper scraps, other stuff. Just really garbage. They'll just gather gather garbage, sort of put this do not disturb sign in front of their burrows. I kind of love the idea of one of these little guys running around with a cigarette in his mouth. Yeah. So like he'll look really cool. He would look cool. That's like a little, the thing. Little gangster. That'd be adorable. How yeah. tall are these? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. Let me find out. That should have been the first thing you looked up. Well, I didn't realize that you were going to get so fixated on the size of the other one. How ones. could I not? <laughs> so they're about nine inches tall. So they're actually pretty small, too. Not nice. as small, but they're pretty tiny. Nine inches? Yeah. That's way, that's way more than the two you were telling me about before. I know. You stack them up on top of each other. That's like a proper bird. Yeah. That's, what is that? The other one's not two inches. It weighed two ounces. It was so four and a half inches, inches tall. That's still really tiny. Yeah. I'm sorry that was such a sticking point for you. I didn't know that would throw you off so much. Just thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, the females are actually slightly smaller than the males, which is not typical in owls. So congrats to the owls, I guess. So they live under in these little burrows, and they've actually adapted a really cool advantage. Um, so they're actually really good at tolerating higher levels of carbon dioxide which would happen in one of those burrows as you're breathing out. It's going to like make more carbon dioxide if you don't have a good enough air filter. So it's sort of cool that they've sort of built that advantage, sort of like how the um, elf owls can feast on scorpions, knowing that they have a sort of built up um, resistance to their venom. So you can leave you can leave these guys in a car in the garage with the engine running, and they'll be fine. Sad. You just have to get groceries. Yeah. So we talk about how the elf owl defends itself. How do you think this guy defends himself? His claws. Interesting. So they don't do direct combat to defend themselves. What they do instead is they take advantage of those burrows they have. They climb back in the hole, and when a predator comes at them, they imitate the sounds of a rattlesnake. And so the predator leaves thinking it's about to get stung by a rattlesnake, which I think is really cool. So they're just really good at impressions. Good for them. Yeah. Um, they're really good at storing food. They store food, you know, in case of hardship. Um, but, like... <laughs> They don't have the biological, like, impulse to be like, okay, we're in a good spot. We don't need to keep collecting food. So if there's an overabundance of food, they'll just keep shoving shit in there. There was, like, one nest that was found to have, like, 200 rats in it, <laughs> which is a lot. Or I guess not rats. There's one nest that was found to have, like, yeah, 200. <laughs> in Saskatchewan in 1997, there was a nest that had more than 200 rodents that were just hanging out in their uh, storage, which is disgusting. Ew. So, have you ever seen an owl bob their head? Like in person? Or in general, I in anything. I feel like I must have. Let me show you. Oh my god, I hate heads. So these guys are big head bobbers. So for the listeners, um, when they're bobbing their head, they're moving their head up and down, side to side, sort of doing this little weird upsetting dance. So why a lot of people are creeped out by owls. So the reason that they do that is because bobbing their head allows them to better see their surroundings and understand the distance and position um, of their surroundings. So they'll use that when they're sizing up threats or locking on to prey. So if you accidentally stumble upon an owl and upset it in its burrow, it'll do that at you because it's trying to size you up, see how big you are, see if it can take you on. And you'll also see it doing that if it sees prey from far away. It'll try to use that bobbing, that up and down motion, to better get an understanding of the distance to and size of the prey um, in relation to itself, which I think is really interesting. So, moving on to our next species, which is the barn owl. These guys are pretty gorgeous. Oh, 
That's spooky. That looks like an alien. It is spooky, right? It kind of looks like uh, I can't remember the name, but that that um, spirit librarian from Avatar: The Last Airbender, I think, was based on a barn owl. Totally. Um, so yeah, so barn owls are cool. They're all over the world. Uh, they're in both North America and Europe and Asia and stuff. They have a little heart-shaped face. Yeah. There's a name for that. I think it's a facial plate. Facial disc. It's called a facial disc. So when owls have those feathers that sort of form either like a heart or like a circle on the front of their face that are differentiated from the rest of the head. So you'll see that in great gray owls. You'll see that in barn owls. In quite a few species, they have that disc. Um, so... These barn owls, they have, the females have a lot of spots on them, some coloration spots, and these are actually very important to them, which is really weird. Um, so they're super important, especially when attracting males, because to the males, the number and size of these spots indicate the quality of the female. For whatever reason, heavily spotted females get fewer flies on them, and they get, like, they seem to be more resistant to, like, parasites and disease and stuff, and... <laughs> The spots might also like make the male help out more at the nest, which is weird. So there was an experiment back in the day where a bunch of scientists removed some of the spots from a female, and the mates, after seeing that, fed the nestlings less often um, than they did before, and like did it less than females whose spots were left alone. So for whatever reason, seeing those spots makes them want to be a good husband, and I don't know why. <laughs> You've got a hot lady, you want to clean the house. So... What do you think that they utilize most to catch prey in terms of sight, sound, or smell? Sound. Oh my god, yes! Yeah. That is 100% right. They are exceptional with sound. They look like it. So what's cool about these guys is they, according to allaboutbirds.com, I don't know what study they're citing, they didn't put it in their um, sources, but their ability to locate prey by sound alone is the best of any animal that has ever been tested. It's like when I went to the doctor and he said I have perfect hearing like a baby. There's nobody better than these owls at, like, hearing their prey. Which is cool because, um... Wait, sorry, no bird better? Or no owl better? Or no animal? No animal. Isn't that, like... like of all the animals. Isn't that, like, whales' whole thing and bats? Well, that's echolocation. So I think that oh, might that's vibration. be different. Yeah. Yeah. This one is just by sound alone. So they're not feeling those vibrations back. They're listening for the animals. Well, it... But good, good question. Thank you. I'm full of them. Being 27, I'm actually a genius now. <laughs> I think this is your genius era. I've beyond fully developed. Yeah. What was your previous era? Dumb bitch. Oh, wow. Wait, like 26? Great. I think 26 yeah. was just like, get me out of here. <laughs> but now we're like Great. fully genius. We're playing games. We're doing puzzles. We're learning to crochet. Mm-hmm kind of all actually by the time this comes out i'm gonna be master crocheter <laughs> right you're gonna have a new sweater do you have a oh i'd love that uh do you have a target in mind in terms of what you're gonna make of what a crochet um i saw a an instagram person made a crochet balloon animal and i haven't stopped thinking about it so hopefully by the time this comes out oh it'll be done okay well, fingers crossed that Jess has made some sort of wonderful balloon animal. A few episodes back, we talked about how vultures are exceptional about finding or finding prey with their smell, and they can actually fly over trees and find prey that they can't see just by smell alone. These guys are the same way with sound. In a laboratory setting, they were able to catch mice in complete darkness, like with like no um, potential for sight 
And in the wild, they do the same thing where they're hidden by vegetation or there's a bunch of snow and they can't see. They 100% use their, their ability to hear to find prey. So in a lot of places, they are specialist feeders, so they'll eat just like one particular species. So in most places, their, their ideal diet is a majority voles, then shrews, and like whatever else to fill the gaps. But if they need to become generalist due to what's available in the environment, they will. So when I say generalist, I just mean they'll eat whatever they need to to survive. Um, but they can also sort of change their specialization as well. For example, on Cape Verde, the um, barn owls there will primarily feast on geckos. So looks like they're not saving 15% or more on car insurance. Am I right? Nice. Thank you. You can tell that you can tell a joke is good where instead of a laugh, you get a vocal response. Uh, a nice, uh, oh, good job. That's the hallmark of a good one. Sorry. Am I not being enough for you? No, you are. Okay. So these guys are also considered bad omens. Um, which, yeah. Yeah, they're kind of spooky looking, right? I get that. Yeah. Are these the, no, the great horned owl was the one that is... The alien yeah yeah we'll get it but i think in maybe like an alien movie it's these guys yeah oh i actually forgot something we're gonna go back so <laughs> you were wait, what paying alien attention movie? again well i was reading something sorry what alien movie? you don't have to respond <laughs> sorry <laughs> hold on i lost my headphones don't say anything i can't hear it sorry in what alien movie were they bad guys i think like the fourth kind or something not bad guys, really? just kind of like bad omens, I guess. There are some. There were some cultures that believed if this flew onto your house, everyone inside would die. Yeah, I get that. It's pretty scary, right? Especially at night. Yeah, right? And that's when they're mostly active. So yeah, their nicknames are Demon Owl, Death Owl, Ghost Owl, Lich Owl, etc., etc. Um, but there is one culture that considers them good things. In, um, in Hindu folklore... Um, they're considered to be the symbol of Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth and fortune, which is pretty cool. So um, so one thing I forgot to mention about these guys, they can be albino or melanistic. Do you remember what melanistic is? Dark. Yeah. Melanistic is super self-explanatory. Um, it just means that they have an excess of melanin as opposed to albinism, which is the lack of pigment. So I'm going to share now a photo of a melanistic barn owl, which I think is pretty cool looking. Yeah, she kind of looks like me. <laughs> Wait, what? Some people are saying that. <laughs> Who's saying that? I bet if you showed Brie this, she would say that. She does look very feminine. Like, looks like she has like the cartoon like eyelashes yeah, and stuff. Yeah, she's got the brown hair. She's she's got a tan. <laughs> Which, yeah, you have a tan this summer, and we're all gonna hear about Everyone's it. Everyone's gonna hear about it. Um, it's my best. It's my best tan in years, probably. Actually, when I when we were in lockdown, I had a pretty gnarly tan, but it was a good tan. Yeah. One time. I posted a picture of a dog, and Bree said, you look like her. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why I think she would say this about this bird. What was the dog? It was just like a brown dog. And to be fair, <laughs> she was right, but I think it was Birdo. Remember Birdo and Garbo and, and that yeah. gang? It was one of those. Yeah, Jess, you're referencing the LaBelle Foundation, right? Yeah. Local dog adoption. Check them out, guys. You want to get some dogs. But yeah, I, now that you say it, this is, a, this is a hot bird. She looks like you. You're right. Thank you. She, this is a real lady. We'll post this on the Instagram. Um, so I'm hot, but I'm but not yeah. beautiful. Oh my god, <laughs> that might be that might be a, a a gold medal one for you of taking a compliment and and making it bad, <laughs> of me calling you hot and you being like interesting. Well, so no, I'm not beautiful. No, but earlier you didn't you you didn't agree that I was beautiful. Oh, 
Oh, that right. was actually yeah. a callback, Mr. Comedian. Well, I'm stupid. Uh, any other thoughts on the barn owl, Jess? I like it better like this. <laughs> the dark one. Oh, well, I'm sorry. This only one. happens. To, this only happens to one in every hundred thousand. Melanistic? So. Is that what you said? Melanistic, yeah. Okay. Well, I like it better. Do you think Moving they have racism? On. Hmm. Probably. That sucks. I think this this podcast will uncover the injustice in the owl community. We're going to solve racism. All right, so moving on to our final two owls. So this next owl from the great horned owl. That's a hot bird. So <laughs> this one's more masked, though, He's right? He's commanding. Yeah. He's telling me what to do, and I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah, if, those, if these last two got together, they'd be a power couple. Unstoppable in Hollywood. He's unfortunately Republican, but it's I'll let it slide. For one night. Yeah, but it's like, he's like one of those that's like, quote, socially, like he's like fiscally conservative, but he's like socially liberal. He's like daddy in every way. All right, so, Great Horned Owl, when you look at this guy, you think big, you think masculine, right? Yeah, among other things. Among other things. I don't want to fuck an owl. Well, I don't want to fuck any animal. I just want to be clear. Oh my god. <laughs> I didn't even bring it up. That was all you. I know, I'm just kind of... I need to describe it for the viewers. They'll know. Uh-huh. I don't okay. consciously call them viewers. I want to mention. I just say that. No, I know. We won't. We won't admit that you're subconsciously stealing from lost culturistas. It'll be fine. That's readers. Oh, what is viewers? I don't. I don't know. Oh. <laughs> Great. These guys are way bigger than the owls that we've covered before. They're 19 to 35 inches tall with a wingspan of about 4.6 feet, which is close to how tall you are. Um, it's like a half half foot shorter than 30 you. inches 19 to 35 inches tall 35 yeah. inches mm-hmm. that's like up to what my ribs yeah they're pretty big that's too big for but again, an owl they could also be as small as 19 okay wait i'm range. 60 inches yeah so it's up to my waist it's pretty big yeah that's too big I, mean, I, I, I don't know for sure but i would imagine part of that might include the tufts but at the very least it's the top of the head but yeah they're pretty big guys what do you mean tufts well they i think it might be tuft to tail not like foot to but are those his ears? Yeah, those, well, they're not his ears, but they're like tufts above his ears. They're not his ears? They're not his ears. They're just little tufts. What do they do to be... What do they do? Scientists don't know. They've been trying to figure it out. And are they, they supposed to look like ears? I don't know. They haven't figured out the biological event or advantage of that yet, but they're looking into it. Very strongly. Yeah, looking at it very strongly. See, I would imagine they go tail to tip, but I don't actually know. It's a good question. Well, I mean, what are those? Like an inch, two inches? Well, I'm just talking about the tail part. Because look at how long that tail is. Oh. That's like an, adding an extra. Like, if you go from just his feet to his head, I feel like he's oh. smaller. You would think they do do it, but I guess... But I don't know. I don't I don't know how they measure it. Okay, that's something to find out for next time. Yeah. <laughs> what? Sorry, the, the, the main thing when you look up great horned owl size, you know how Google does like those like five random people always also ask questions? Yeah, I love those things. First one, can a great horned owl pick up a 15-pound dog? Can it? Yeah. What's their weight capacity? Uh, Does it want to pick up a 15-pound dog? They do eat dogs, yeah. So we're going to get into this. These guys are fucking, they're big guys in term, in the bird world. So when their talons are clenched, when they are held shut, if you want to pry them open, it requires a force of 28 pounds. I could do that. You could do that? With my legs, yeah. Okay. I think it's going to be hard to get your legs into the talons because your legs are going to be bigger than his talons. Nope. Mm. Well, <laughs> well, 
that grip, that super strong grip, they use that to sever the spines of their large prey and kill them so they don't have to put in as much effort. So they'll use that to break their spine. It's horrifying. I guess that's a good way to go. Yeah, these guys are crazy strong and they are really ambitious in terms of what they will eat. They eat regularly prey as large as skunks. And in some cases, they've been known, they've been recorded as eating a full-grown raccoon and a full-grown bobcat. How? Okay, so they they're grab them in their talons, but their talons aren't that big, are they? Well, they're pretty big, and they're pretty strong, so let me see talon size. And then second of all, their beak is nothing. Their talons are three inches long. Well, they don't use their beak to kill. The talons are the big killers, and what's helpful... I know, but when you're eating, it's going to take hours to eat that thing, no? I imagine they don't finish the whole thing. What a waste. Yeah, I know. But their beak looks like it's made for bugs, is all I'm saying. <laughs> Made for bugs. Yeah, well, they find a way. Well, but that's, they, they're they bigger. I think if you saw the beak in person, you'd think you could eat more stuff. Uh, don't put that in your nose. It's going to get stuck. See? That's what I've <laughs> been trying to avoid. Uh, listeners, Jess has put the, the crocheting needle in her nose, and it is stuck because she got it out. I'm not using this one anymore, so I can do whatever I want with it. Okay. Um, so... The Great Horned Owl has the most diverse prey profile of any raptor in North and South America. So of any predator bird, it ha it'll eat the most shit, from like bugs to like skunks. And so they're typically specialized hunters, but they will change their diet depending on the location. So depending on their location, they'll change sort of what they primarily eat. So if they live in areas that are more wetlandy, a lot of times they'll go straight for our friend the American coot. That'll make up a big part of their diet. In urban areas, they go for a lot of rats. Um, so depending on where they live, they will sort of change what they eat. Um, so they have a couple nicknames. They're known also as tiger owls or hoot owls, which feels a little redundant. But we love that hoot. They have a very distinctive hoot, pretty recognizable in the bird world and the regular world at large. You know, the whoo, 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 So hard to mistake that. If you had to guess of all the owls, which one they're most closely related to, what would you guess? Um, their next, their cousin, their closest living relative. Burrowing owl? Burrowing owl. That makes sense because they got the big yellow eyes. They have a similar color pattern. It's the snowy owl. Totally. They're incredibly genetically linked. There's like very little difference. They're super related. Yeah, they do look pretty similar. But it's just sort of a surprise when you look. They don't have like the tufts. Like they're completely different coloring. But yeah, they're each other's closest living relatives, which is pretty cool. Do they hang out? They typically don't get along and they will fight each other and um, the snowy owl usually loses. So speaking of fighting, I'm glad you brought that up. These guys share a lot of their diet with other predators in their range. So like a lot of hawks will eat the same stuff that owls in their range do. The only difference is that, and like in the wild, that's pretty common. So like hawks and eagles, they're like different types of hawks that like can have in the same space. will sort of like share the same food with each other, sort of have like this like sort of rivalry because they're both after the same food source. The only difference is that with great horned owls, they also eat the predators that they share the food sources with. <laughs> so not only do they eat the same things as hawks, they also eat hawks. Like these guys will eat anything and try to kill and eat anything they're crazy Yikes. ambitious and aggressive and they can do it because again they're one of the largest owls these guys are huge and they live up to 50 years which is how old grogu is from the mandalorian oh i thought you were talking about dragon ball goku. again yeah, yeah. <laughs> we've had the same conversation before you sound like the same guy yeah i know well i'll leave you this we talked about how strong and powerful they are 
the Pima people, the American Southwest, believed that fallen warriors would be reincarnated and come back as great horned owls flying in the night, which is pretty cool. Very cool. Moving on to our last owl, and uh, this owl is canceled. Like it's a snowy owl. Um, Why are they canceled? So it's last owl because of Harry Potter. Okay. <laughs> are you mad? A little. I'm sorry. We, I, I can take that back. They're not canceled. I'm sorry. Hedwig didn't do anything wrong. Mm. She wasn't a symbol for anything bad. Yeah. She was just a little guy. That's fair. She died for Harry. Well, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I think you forget sorry, that. I'm sorry. I didn't realize I'd strike a nerve here. It's also, you know, they didn't ask to be in that movie. Are you crying? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, Snowy Owl. How could owl. I support so these guys are cool. J.K. Rowling? I don't know. You set me up. I know you don't support J.K. Rowling. Uh, anyway, so, Snowy Owl. These guys, humans, they had a relationship with humans for thousands upon thousands of years to the point that you can see them in early cave paintings. You can see cave paintings with snowy owls in them. Which caves? So, not caves. I don't know. Did you, you, thought, you thought I would know the specific cave where you'd see them? Oh my god. I've lost Jess. Oh, there she is. I think your internet's just going bad. Your connection seems bad. There it goes. So again, I do not know what specific caves they um, were found in. So, snowy owls do not stay where they were raised, where they were born. They disperse, like, pretty strongly to the point that scientists still don't totally understand when, or sorry, understand why they migrate and sort of how far they go. There was a snowy owl nest that, they, that a bunch of scientists tracked that was in Victoria Island, which is like somewhere in the Arctic near Canada. And they checked all the birds who all went to different places. So one went to the Hudson Bay in America, one went to southeastern Ontario, and one went to the far Russian coast um, on the east coast on the American side. So they will go super far for reasons scientists don't totally understand. I would imagine, if I had to guess, there's a lot of biological um, advantage to that, and that you're spreading the DNA profile way out, so you don't have to worry about inbreeding and stuff. But it's sort of interesting that they will really go for it, um, sort of like when kids like go to college like on the East Coast to escape their California parents. So they're super um, talented hunters, but if they need to, they will scavenge. So they're known, they're known to eat like carrion, like big walruses, whales, anything that washes up on the shore, they'll eat. Have you seen snowy owl talons before? No. So they got a bunch of fur on it, right? Yeah. They look like little fluffy guys. They're wearing the little Uggs. And they're super thick. It's almost like they have rabbit paws. They're like super huge feet on these guys. So what's cool about these is they provide insulation when they're walking in the snow. Um, that sort of fur protects them from like the harsh cold when they're landing on like the snow to catch prey and stuff. Which I think is a really cool advantage. Any other thoughts on the snowy owl? Just cutie pies. Yeah, they are cutie pies, huh? Um, so... There are 22 species of owl that can be found in North America. We only covered five today. Um, so obviously we're going to have to do an owl deep dive part two somewhere in the future. But Jess, now that we've gone over this, do you have a favorite owl? Uh, I like the little guy. <laughs> the elf owl? What do you like about that one? I like that he's so tiny. Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a marvel of nature that they can be so small. That's what I said when I met you. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite? I think my favorite's probably the burrowing owl. I just think they're so cool. I love their little behavior. But also the elf owls are really cool too. And the, the great horned owl, they're just such big bastards. Really, owls are just cool in general. They're so interesting. They're so diverse. Um, well, then that's the end of our episode. I'm going to leave everybody with a... That one was hard. Ah!